Welcome to the Stonebridge Community Church online worship service. Today you'll hear the Word of God read, the message from this weekend's in-person service, and two songs to guide you in worship. Thanks for joining us today. I've got some questions for you. Here's the questions. Have you ever daydreamed about the first thing you do type of scenario? The first thing you do. So let me give you an example. The first thing you do if you got that promotion at work that you've been wanting, what would be the first thing you do? Or the first thing you do if you no longer had your chronic health condition, what's the first thing you would do? This one's going to get your attention because I know you've all been there. What's the first thing you do if you won the lottery? Now, stay in that mindset for a second. Where does thanking God fit into your first thing you do scenario? One day, a woman was uh, rushing home from a doctor's appointment. Uh, The doctor had been running late. Uh, The lab work took longer than usual. And so by the time she left the appointment, she was running behind schedule. Uh, She had to run by Costco and get her uh, prescription. She had to pick up the kids. She had to get home and make dinner because she wanted to make it back to church for a evening growth group. And as she began to, she pulled into the parking lot at Costco and she began to kind of look at the parking and, uh, you know, uh, believe it or not, lo and behold, it starts to rain and uh, it's the Southern California rain. It's just pouring. And she's uh, going down that first aisle, hoping that she can get a good parking spot right there by the entrance. And as she's going down the aisle, uh, she sees the, the, the backup lights on a, te- a white Tesla, it starts to back out and it's the best spot. And uh, as she immediately, right, she immediately pulls in to the spot. And, uh, you know, she's not one, she wasn't one to trouble God with her problems. And the whole time she'd kind of been praying, God, you know, can you just give me a good parking spot? I I don't want to get soaked in the rain. And uh, immediately as that Tesla had pulled out, she pulled in and she said, never mind, God, a a spot just opened up. Now, in, in, in anticipation of our nation's Thanksgiving holiday this week, today we're looking at what I would call the virtue of a thankful spirit. And uh, in so doing, our scripture comes from uh, the Gospel of Luke, chapter 17, verses 11 through 19. On his way to Jerusalem, Jesus traveled along the border between Samaria and Galilee. As he was going into a village, ten men who had leprosy met him. They stood at a distance and called out in a loud voice, Jesus, Master, have pity on us. When he saw them, Jesus said, go show yourselves to the priests. And as they went, they were cleansed. One of them, when he saw that he was healed, came back praising God in a loud voice, and he threw himself at Jesus' feet and thanked him. And he was a Samaritan. Jesus asked, were not all 10 cleansed? Where are the other nine? Has no one returned to give praise to God except this foreigner? Then Jesus said to him, rise and go. Your faith has made you well. This is God's word to us this morning. Let's pray. Loving God, um, as we come into this worship space this morning, we pray that through the songs that we've sung, 
our hearts have been softened, that uh, we are open uh, in our hearts and minds to receive your word. Lord, uh, illuminate your word to us. Um, Help us to receive it so that our lives uh, would be transformed. We pray this in your son's name, Jesus Christ. Amen. So before I get to the outline, um, there are two topics present in today's scripture that I want to uh, touch on uh, so that we can better understand uh, today's scripture. Uh, The two topics, one has to do with Samaria and the Samaritan, and the other is leprosy. So I'm going to start with uh, a map that'll help me uh, work through it. So there's a lot of things going on in this map. It looks very busy. Uh, So I'm going to try to simplify it. Well, let's look at the title, Israel at the Time of Jesus. Okay, there we go. That's, That's a good start. Uh, right in the middle of, it, of what we think of modern-day Israel is the big word Samaria. Uh, and uh, so the ancient Israel, what you have is Galilee in the north, which would have been part of ancient Israel, uh, Israel during Jesus' time. Um, and then right down the middle, I was told yeah, last night, because I'm colorblind, that there's a blue line, and that is the Jordan River. Uh, and then to the, the right or the east of the Jordan River would have been ancient Israel. And then at the bottom, is, it says uh, Judah, um, uh, Judea. And then uh, right in Judea, you can see Jerusalem. Now, I'm pointing out these things because uh, 2,000 years ago, if people in the north of Israel were traveling to Jerusalem, which was the political center and the religious center of the nation state, uh, uh, and because the temple was there, Um, If they wanted to participate in the religious uh, festivals throughout the year, they would travel from Galilee, let's say. Um, And this is, I'm highlighting that because our scripture begins with Jesus traveling along the border of Galilee and Samaria. So he's right along the the border there. They would have traveled to the other side of the Jordan, all the way down, and then crossed the Jordan again near Jericho, as you can see, and then from Jericho up to Jerusalem. So you know, the, what do they say? The shortest distance between two, two points is a straight line. Why aren't they just going through Samaria? That's what we're talking about. So we have to look at some of the history and, and the religious differences. Uh, Samaria, so in se- about 700 uh, BCE, before, yeah, BCE, um, the Assyrians had taken over northern Israel and... Um, Because of this, they had colonized the area, and uh, they had intermarried with, so they had taken uh, off into captivity, and this is is how it was done. Um, Basically, the top 10%, the educated, the wealthiest, the most influential people, they would take off into captivity, and then they would leave the remaining population. So they they colonized the area, and they intermarried uh, the Assyrians with uh, the remaining population. Um, And so on one level, what we have going on in today's text and it was a real thing, was racism. There was a racism, a, a, a prejudice against the people who lived in Samaria. So one level is, is racism. Another level that is present in today's text is the religious difference with Samaria. Uh, so 2,000 years later, as I, Kevin was, was, as I was re, uh, reviewing the, the, this information this past week, I realized that 2,000 years later, the religious differences uh, are, are to us very minor. Um, because the Sumerians and the, the Jews of ancient Israel, right, they all believed in the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. 
They also held uh, the same scriptures, at, uh, uh, the same scriptures, so, and that would be the Pentateuch, uh, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. So they shared all of these things in common. What they didn't share in common is where the center of the faith should uh, be practiced. So the Jews, of course, believed that Jerusalem was the center where the temple was, and, and that's where sacrifices should be made and, and so forth. The Sumerians, on the other hand, and it, I, I, I don't know if you can see it, but right, um, I guess basically above Jerusalem, I'm colorblind. Is that blue? I don't know. Green? Whatever that color is, there's a triangle, and it says Mount Jerusalem. That's where they believed the Temple Mount should be. So that's where they worshiped. Now, to us, it seems rather minor, but it was enough to create hostilities between the two people groups. Um, between the racism and the, this specific topic was enough to create um, tensions. So what we find at the beginning of today's scriptures, we have Jesus who's traveling to, it says he's traveling to Jerusalem, and he's basically just skirting the borderline. Um, and this is where he engages the 10 lepers, one of which is a Samaritan. Okay, so let's move to the next topic, and that is leprosy. So another topic that's in our scripture is this, I mean, we've got 10 lepers. Well, what that, what's that about? So uh, 2023, leprosy. Um, we actually call it today Hansen's disease, and um, we now understand that Hansen's disease is a slow, a very slow, progressive disease. Um, and what it does is it affects the nervous system, and it starts with the, the limbs, the, the fingers, hands, and then arms, and then, uh, and then affects the rest of the body. But it's so slow that it's, once it's diagnosed, it's very uh, easy to address, believe it or not, with antibiotics. So um, far less dangerous than would have previously maybe been perceived, and it's called Hansen's disease. Um, so, so that's what we understand leprosy to be today. So I'm going to contrast that with what I'm going to call biblical leprosy. So biblical leprosy um, takes us back all the way to the Old Testament in Leviticus, which were the religious uh, laws uh, for the Jewish faith. And in Leviticus chapter 13, it outlines biblical Leprosy, and if I didn't, I didn't put it in the Bible app. I didn't put it on the screen because um, it, it's a lot. There's a, just a lot of laws going on there. And uh, secondly, it's kind of gross. I just yeah. kind of gives me the. You know. So I'm just going to briefly kind of touch on it. Uh, touch on it. <laughs> okay. Um, and so so essentially, uh, the priests of the temple uh, or or the local priests, which uh, would be in charge of examining an individual and determining whether they were clean or unclean. If they were clean, they could participate in the religious life of the community. And if they were unclean, they could not. Now, there, there are certain things in Leviticus, and there are uh, and specific to chapter 13, there are certain things like if you just had a, a skin lesion or a scab or something, that could possibly cause you to be unclean. But that could heal, and then you could return, and the priest would examine you, and then you would return into community life. However, that we have to then keep in mind there are certain skin diseases uh, that are chronic, that are not going to go away. And so there were a, a subpopulation of the general population that literally had 
were chronically determined to be unclean, and therefore they were marginalized. They were pushed to the fringes of the society. Um, and, that, and that was, uh, well, yeah, so that's Leviticus. Um, so today's story is um, subversive. It's subversive on two levels. Uh, one is, the I talked about Samaria. It's the Samarian who ends up becoming the, the hero of the story. It's, it, he, he's the one that Jesus uplifts. uplifts. Um, and then secondly, let, let me say, I'm going to jump, and then I'll, if I remember, I'll come back to it. Um, well, let, let me, well, I'm, I'm slow down. All right. Uh, Misery basically loves company. And I learned this back when I was in college. I was taking a, micro, a microeconomics class, and I was, it was my last semester in college. And, uh, and there, was two there was the midterm and there was the final. And one was 40% and one was 60%. And at that point, I just had eyes on the prize. I just wanted to get out, you know? And uh, there was uh, all of us, many of us were seniors, and we just all wanted to graduate. And it was a really hard class because there was theory, and then there was theory with math. And we, the, all of us, well, so to speed, speed forward, we're taking the midterm. We're all, we all come out pain in pain. The day after, we come back uh, the next class, you know, Tuesday, Thursday type of thing. We come back, and this is back now, believe it or not, this was back when we took tests on paper, and, you know, it was amazing. Blue books. Anybody remember Blue Book? All right, a couple of hands. All right. So the Blue Books are passed back in class. And the whole back half of, you know, the, the best students are in the front two rows. And the rest of us were in the back, right? And I'm in the back row. And we open up our Blue Books, and it's just red ink splattered everywhere. It was, you know, and we're all just like, <sighs> so the class was over. Uh, did not do well. And there was just the energy was just, oof. And uh, lunch, it was, it was lunch afterwards, and I, I was heading towards the student union to grab some food, and I'm walking down this hallway, and in this hallway there were like restaurant booths that students could sit and hang out at. I'm walking down this hallway just going, I just want to graduate. I just want to graduate. And I'm kind of walking down the hall, and this girl, uh, who I, I remember her name, Valerie, asked me later why I remember her name. Um, but as I'm walking down, Valerie goes, hey, you want to join us? And like she surprised me. I looked up and there's four other students in Valerie and they're all sitting in a booth and they, they look how I feel. And I'm like, yeah. And I sit down and we're just like, and I didn't really know, I didn't know any of them except Valerie by name. And uh, she, she just looked at me, she goes, misery loves company. And I was like, yeah. And from that point, we were all bonded in friendship, you know? So... Why do I share that story? Because you've got these 10 lepers, nine Jews, and one Samaritan. And they have found community where two nation states cannot. Misery loves company. So it's kind of subversive. It's subversive that a Samaritan becomes the hero. And it's also subversive that what two nation states can't do politically or whatever, socially, they can as a marginalized subcommunity. I just think that's really interesting. So uh, number one on the outline, I'm kind of transitioning. You know, one, one, uh, number one on the outline is 
all 10 stood at a distance. Verse 12 tells us uh, they stood at a distance and called out. So I've talked about leprosy a little and what was required of them. Now, this is not in Leviticus chapter 13. So what I realized, um, I think this was a, a, a social custom that, that was developed over time. And that is lepers were required to remain 50 yards away from the general population. So we're literally talking about like disenfranchised, like pushing people to the fringe, literally pushing them to the fringes. And, and they are required to yell out, unclean, 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 so that the clean people can avoid them. Talk about victim shaming. Talk about shaming the victim, you know? And so that is what's happening in our text today. They are crying out and telling, and they see Jesus coming. And the, <laughs> I, I mean, I'm laughing, but I just, it, like maybe they're saying unclean, unclean. And then they, they see Jesus coming. And they're like, that's that guy that's healing people. And what's fascinating to me is they don't yell out, cleanse us. They say, Jesus, you know, master, have pity on us, have mercy on us. So, you know, Jesus, how does Jesus respond? Uh, th that's kind of interesting because they're not saying heal us. They're saying have pity on us. Um, so, so let me jump to, to number two real quickly. All 10 stood at a distance and they stood at a distance and they called out to Jesus. And number two on our outline, and all 10 were healed through faithful compliance. All 10 were healed through faithful compliance. So let's talk about what Jesus normally did. We, this is a very unique story in all of the Gospels because what Jesus normally did when we read the other Gospels is Jesus is laying hands on people. Jesus is, <clears throat> excuse me, going into like private spaces and praying for people. Um, there's a story uh, that many of us love where, where the woman touches Jesus. Uh, he doesn't intentionally touch her, but the woman touches him and she's healed. So a, a lot of physicality, uh, the, um, the one that I just love, which I just laugh about all these things. He spits into the dirt and creates mud and puts it in someone's eyes. It's like, ew, gross. Very physical though. And the guy receives his sight. And then there's the story of 10 lepers that are way over there and Jesus who's over here. And they say, have pity on us, have mercy on us, Jesus. And it's, um, <laughs> that's why I kind of like, I kind of see him kind of walking along going, oh, go report, go report to the priests. And then can, it's like, he just continues walking. He doesn't touch them. Da, 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 they, he just kind of tells them, go. The command is go and show, go and show yourself to the priests. And they faithfully comply to the command. So between point A and point B, Somewhere between these two points, they are cleansed along the way as they go. They faithfully comply. They don't have any good reason. They could have said, well, that's a joke. He didn't even pray for us. Like they, they could have had a lot of things go on, but they're like, he said it, so we're going to do it. Faithful compliance. My, uh, I've shared with you before, my, my, my immediate family and my broader family, it's all in the medical profession. Um, when I was young, because, uh, I, I, you know, I was young enough, <laughs> I remember asking my dad, dad, what do you do for a living? Or what, what is your job? I think I, I asked the question. And he looked at me, and God bless him. Um, he, he, said, he said, I'm a bone doctor. 
Now, the reason why he said I was a bone doctor is because if he said I'm an orthopedic surgeon, as like a five-year-old, I'd be like, what's an orthopedic surgeon? He goes, I'm a bone doctor. And he said, when people break their bones, I fix them and put them back together. And so even as an adult, there are times when people ask me, oh, what did your dad do before he retired? And I go, he was a bone doctor. Oh, I mean, an orthopedic surgeon. <laughs> uh, yeah. So uh, my dad's a bone doctor. And uh, so I grew up having dinner, you know, at the end of the day, family sitting around the, the table having, and, you know, mom would say, how was your day, honey? And he would talk about what, and, and so as the youngest child, I just heard all the stories about everything uh, that happens in, in his medical world. And one of the things that has stuck with me was he would talk about the patients that complied with the healing process. And he would, God bless him, complain about the patients that didn't. <laughs> and so he would have patients that would come... So back then, uh, physical therapy wasn't as developed as it was today. So, so he would do a, a hip surgery, a knee surgery, an ankle surgery, and he would give certain exercises to the patients after they were released from the hospital. He would say, okay, do this exercise, this exercise, and this exercise three, four, five times a day. I'll see you in a week. I'll see you in two weeks. And they would come to his office, and he would follow up. And there would be patients that would come in, and they would get complaining, like, doc, I'm just not getting better. And he would look them in the eye, and he would say, are you doing your exercises that I told you to do? And then they would sheepishly go, well, maybe I can do them a little more. <laughs> you know? And he would talk about, like, he loved a motivated patient. He loved a motivated patient because they would do the exercises. They would comply with the prescription in order to get better. And they got better. It's also true for medications as well. People can comply and take their medications and they do better and others go, ah, I'm, yeah, I'm feeling better. I don't need the medication. And then, you know, they slip inside and it's called med uh, medic being compliant with the, their medications. So in today's scripture, I think it's pretty amazing. Uh, the 10 were healed through faithful compliance. Go and show. They heard God's, uh, Jesus's command and they just did it. And along the way, they were healed. And I think for us, it's a metaphor of our own spiritual health. Um, so the Bible teaches, and it all comes down to that three-letter word, sin. The, the Bible teaches us that all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, and there are consequences to our sin, that, that the consequences of sin is death. And so sin is lethal. And um, some of us are in denial. I'm fine. I'm good. You know, other people have faults, but I don't. Um, so some are in denial. Um, but I brought my, I brought my scripture today, uh, my, my Bible today. And it, it's both something to look at, but it's, but it's also very literally true. I brought it because it's all beat up. And I, I love this Bible. I have my original Bible that a youth pastor gave me. And this one, look, it's great, isn't it? duct tape, it's falling apart. The reason why I love this Bible so much is this is the Bible that when I really started getting serious about my faith and studying God's word um, and thinking about Jesus's teachings and trying to apply, you know, recognizing his model as a character, not as a character, his character uh, and integrity and what he desired to do in his world and how taking those concepts and trying to apply them to my life. Did, did a miracle happen in my life overnight? No, 
But in time, I can look back like many of you um, and others have talked about the power of God's word in their lives, that as we immerse ourselves in God's word, so we're sick, God's got a prescription, that's scripture, and when we engage ourselves with the prescription, motivated patient, our lives over time will be transformed. Now, some, I have a, I have a, a, my youth pastor, I just mentioned him. He literally was healed from drug addiction. He became a Christian and he never took drugs again. That was a miracle in his life. For most of us, that's not going to happen. But our lives are transformed as we engage with God's truth over time. Our character, maybe some of us can look back five months or five years or five decades. And we look back and go, the person I was having engaged in God's word, having engaged and um, faithfully complied to the prescription, my life has been transformed. So all 10 stood at a distance. All 10 were healed through faithful compliance. And number three, only one expressed thanksgiving. Only one expressed thanksgiving. Verse 17, where are the other nine, Jesus asks. What more can I say? <laughs> and, and as I mentioned earlier, uh, it is a subversive, for the audience that would have read the Gospel of Luke, um, that first audience uh, and the, the communities of faith, they would have realized that this is a subversive message. Because the good news of this idea coming uh, to a nation to save a nation was not only for the nation, but for the world. And so this idea that Jesus being the Messiah, coming into our world, breaking in and coming into our world, we're going to be celebrating that Christmas. Um, and then that good news being not just for um, the, the Jews, but for all of the nations um, is kind of planted into this story as well. We see that the good news applies to the Samaritan as well as the other nine. But it was the Samaritan that came back. And possibly, just throw this out for consideration, because it's possible because he had two strikes against him. He was a Samaritan and he was a leper. Maybe he was the one that felt furthest pushed out, marginalized. And in the full restoration of being welcomed back into community, he had more to celebrate. So... Here's my concluding thoughts. You may have noticed that the title of today's message is more lethal than leprosy. More lethal than leprosy because, as mentioned before, Hansen's disease is far less contagious than previously thought. And once diagnosed, it, it's actually very treatable. With that in mind, based on today's scripture and message outline, I propose there may be two diseases more lethal than leprosy. One disease is not physical. One disease is not physical, but rather it's a social disease. And that disease is social exclusion and division. Lepers were excluded and pushed out to the outer fringes of society, and so were the Sumerians. Samaritans, <laughs> different people, Samaritans. And Jesus' response was healing them. And upon being healed, 
the long-term outcome would have been a return or a welcoming back into community. And so to apply Jesus's example to today, we must first clearly identify who is it that we exclude? Who is it that we exclude in our culture? Who is it that we exclude in our community? Who is it that we exclude in our workplaces? Who is it that we exclude in our church and as individuals? Then, like Jesus, we must develop an empathy. We must develop and foster sympathy. We must faithfully develop a willingness to bridge the gap. And although we may not have the miraculous power that Jesus had to cure the situation, we may in fact have at least some tools that we can put to use to address a wound that is perhaps lethally destroying the social threads of our community. Our community, our neighborhoods, and quite possibly our families. If the lethal disease is exclusion, then, then the prescription is an authentic willingness to take active steps towards inclusion. Why? Because Jesus did. Secondly, based on today's scripture and message outline, I propose there may be another disease more lethal than leprosy. And that would be an attitude of ingratitude, a spirit of thanklessness, Far more deadly than a skin condition, this is a condition of the heart. Where does it come from? Is it born out of sloth? Is it born out of pride? Maybe both. Like the woman in the opening illustration, was she just too lazy to thank God? Or did she perhaps think that she manifested that parking space all on her own. Like the Samaritan who returned to Jesus, let us develop a spirit of thanksgiving, count our blessings, return to God, and give thanks where thanks is due. Amen. Now, as the band comes back on stage, I'm going to ask you to do an exercise. Very easy. Think of three things that you're thankful for. You probably already thought of them. Now, think of one, and I want you to turn to someone in your row or aisle and just share with them that one thing that you're thankful for.
words I can't explain It's nothing short of a miracle I'm here Got some blessings that I don't deserve I've got some scars but that's how you learn Nothing short of a miracle, I'm here Think it over and it doesn't add up I know it comes from above I've got miracles on miracles A million little your miracles one two three four i can't even count them all you held me steady so i wouldn't give up you opened doors that nobody could shut i hope i never get over Like I know who you are I hope I never get over what you've done It's not coincidence and it's not luck I know it comes from above I've got miracles on miracles A million little miracles 